Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning, we're going to wrap up our series called Margin, where we even talk about creating margin in our life, creating space in an overwhelmed life. So as we do that, I'm going to start just with, with a question. I'm going to challenge you this question here. And here's the question. What's the most daring thing you've ever done? Now, don't answer that because I want to have you turn and share this with one another. But I don't want you to give a really long story here because we don't have forever unless you want to be here till noon. Nobody seems to want to do that. So short story, one word, five words max. You know, something like, I've jumped off a mountain I went rappelling before. Jumped on an airplane, went skydiving, been whitewater rafting. You know, whatever it is, you know, wrestled an alligator. You know, something like that. Share what's been the most daring thing you've ever done. Now turn around real quick and share with the people next to you. All right, we're trying to listen. The crowd's starting to kind of silent down a little bit. Hopefully somebody didn't take 45 words or so to share their story, you know. One of the most daring things I've probably ever done is I've jumped off a mountain, been rappelling before. A lot of fun. It's crazy. You think about jumping off a side of a mountain, but it's exciting. It's a daring thing to do. And sometimes there's a thrill of doing those daring things. Well, I think creating margin in our life can be daring. And we're going to get into the sermon. We're going to see really what it means to live a daring life. But, you know, in this series, as we've talked about margins, you know, we started two weeks ago with this balloon that we kept inflating. And I think some of you were thinking how daring it was because you were waiting for that balloon to just explode and make this loud popping noise. Everybody would have jumped and stuff like that. We talked about, you know, how it is in our lives. You know, we, we continue to fill our lives full of stuff. And eventually, like the balloon, what happens? Boom, it explodes and it goes everywhere. And the last week, you know, we talked about margin in our lives, an area that sometimes we get sensitive talking about. But one of the reasons is we stress about this so much is that so few of us have financial margin. And what does it mean for us to create financial margin? We said that begins first by trusting God. And so we talked, you know, what that means to do things like even having a budget and, and, and returning to the Lord portion of those gifts that he's given to us. So today we're going to wrap this series up. Before we do that, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for your grace, your mercy, and love. And Lord, we pray that we live in such kind of busy, crazy, nutty lives that we have no margin in our lives. In so many areas of our lives, Lord, we could use just a bit of margin. Help us, Lord, as we reflect on your word, as we wrap this series up, to see the opportunities that we have as we live in relationship to you have margin in our lives. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, I got up here with me. I like to have objects, you know, like we had a balloon. We, you know, you had this big balloon that you have up there and these other things you do things with. Today, I've got a calculator, right? And some of you have heard this before. Maybe you can kind of hear that little noise. If you're an accountant, you know that noise. We're going to talk a little about calculators. I think, whether you believe it or not, most of us have a calculator like this, and not physically in our heads, that would be weird, but kind of, you know, spiritually, emotionally, relationally in our heads as we take an account of those who have wronged us. Does that make sense? You think about that for just a moment. The people that have wronged you, have you added up how many times they've wronged you? You know, and what happens is you keep adding things up. That list gets longer and longer, and longer, and longer. And this is exactly what, you know, the, the Old Testament lesson is about with Joseph and his brothers. 
but especially the gospel lesson that we have from Matthew 18. And this conversation that Jesus is having with Peter and with all of those who are gathered around. So let's jump now to these, this question that Peter asked. Because I think Peter was asking a question and thought he had the right answer. And let's read these words together, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how often do I have to forgive a believer who wrongs me seven times? Lord, how often do I have to forgive somebody who wrongs me seven times? Now, in September we had our series, How to Read the Bible, and we talked about you know, that there's great value in sometimes stepping behind the text because there's sometimes more to it. So Peter, you know, saying seven times, he's thinking, I'm going to show Jesus that I've been listening to him. The seven is the complete number in the Hebrew culture that, that, you know, this is a good thing. And beyond that, beyond that, when he says seven times, Peter also knows what the rabbis have taught him. The rabbis at that time would teach that the way to forgive somebody, and there are times you'd have to forgive somebody, was three times. How many of you have forgiven somebody at least three times? Don't raise your hand. How many have forgiven somebody less than three times? Don't raise your hand. You know, as you think about that, you know, once, twice, three times. All right, I'm done, right? I don't forgive you anymore. And the reason it was because in the book of Amos, the prof, Amos was a prophet. And as he spoke for God's people and spoke for God to God's people, you know, in Amos 1, verse 3 through 13, it talks about God forgiving his people. And, and the way that the rabbis read that, God forgave his people three times. And because he gave his people three times, guess how many times they figured you should have to forgive somebody? Three times. And so when Peter says, three's not enough, seven will be good. That's a perfect number. Yes, I'm going to get a gold star from Jesus. And, of course, Jesus says, got a zinger for you, Peter. Nope, you're not on track. Because in Peter's mind, again, you know, he's thinking, okay, so seven times. That's not too bad. No, I can do that. Seven times, I, okay, I've forgiven you, and, and, and I'm done. And maybe Peter even understood with it being a complete number that he meant I should kind of keep forgiving. But Jesus takes that, I should keep on forgiving, and, and, and then expands upon that, you know, and explodes Peter's idea of what grace and mercy is as he says these words here, and let's read these together from Jesus' words, Matthew 18, 22. Jesus answered him, I tell you, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. All right, who can do math real quick? 70 times seven is how much? 490. A lot of you are really good at math. Gold star for you. 490 times, all right? Okay, I forgive you. There's 478, 79, you know. All right, I'm at 488, 499. Oh, 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 I'm good. I forgive you. Is that what Jesus meant? Not at all. Now, you know, this is called a hyperbole. In other words, Jesus is taking those numbers, seven to complete numbers. He says, you think, like, going and forgiving and forgiving is good, Peter? Let me tell you, not just seven times, not again and again, but again and again and again and again to truly forgive. And then Jesus goes on to tell this story, this parable, as he often did, to help expand upon what it really means to forgive. You know, and I think forgiveness is one of the most difficult things we have in our lives, in our culture. When we talk about, you know, what is forgiveness? You know, forgiveness is to wipe the slate clean. It's to pardon. It's to let go of, the, you know, the hurts and the sins. It's to 
release somebody from a debt that they owe us is to quit you know, taking that list of hurts and sins and keeping that in our lives and in our relationship. We talk about forgiveness. Jesus tells this story about a king and a servant. And maybe in today's context, you could say, you know, there's a CEO who has a hedge fund manager who has embezzled a bunch of money. On top of that, if that was bad enough, he also lost a gajillion dollars. Gajillion, big mathematical number. He lost a bunch of money, and now the CEO is calling him to the office. Have you ever had to go to the office of somebody who has authority over you? You know, that's always kind of usually a kind of like a little sweat dripping down your head kind of moment. Your heart's beating just a little bit. You have to go to the principal's office. I know some of you had to do that. You know, I had to do that once or twice. You know, and you kind of get there like, oh my goodness. And so here, this guy in Jesus' story, you know, the servant goes before the king. And, you know, today, maybe in the context, you know, the manager goes before the CEO, and he knows what he's done. He knows that he has lost kajillions of dollars. That's not quite what Jesus says, but the amount there is millions, if not maybe even billions of dollars. Some gigantic number that he is now indebted for. And in the culture of first century Palestine, here in the, in the Jewish culture, you know, the normal thing would be, like it's, we get in the text there, that if you can't pay that debt, we're going to throw you into what's called debtor's prison and your family into debtor's prison. And for the next generation, the generation after that, if we have to, until that debt is paid. Now, this guy owes how much? A kajillion, right? A whole bunch. Something way beyond what he or his family could ever repay. And he comes and he pleads for mercy. He pleads for forgiveness. And in what does the king do? The king forgives him. He releases him from that debt. He wipes the slate clean. He pardons him. The CEO, you know, the king, does the unexpected. He does what is in so many ways outside the norm. And again, remember, as Jesus is telling this story, not only for Peter and the disciples, but for the others that were gathered around, they were accustomed to this idea that you would forgive somebody how many times? Three times, right? Just like God had forgiven them. That's what they kind of thought. That three times, that is enough. Imagine if the people sitting next to you, if you only had to forgive them three times, you'd have been done probably a long time ago, Right? And Jesus says, not three times, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. An infinite, limitless grace and forgiveness of mercy to the one that maybe doesn't even deserve it. Now, of course, now, back into our story here, the parable that Jesus tells, you know, that this servant or, you know, in maybe today's context, this hedge fund manager finds one of his fellow hedge fund managers who they went, you know, to go see the Huskers win against whoever they played out of town. That's not going so well this year, but hey, they did better playing us last weekend. And and so they go, and this guy owes him a couple hundred dollars, you know, and he's furious. He wants his money back. And so he grabs a guy by the scruff of the neck, you better pay me because like, give me a little more time. I can't. Nope. Throws him into debtor's prison and his family. This guy who had been forgiven how much? A 
gajillion. Just say gajillion with me. Gajillion. It's a, it's a real word, you know, gajillion. He gave him a bunch, and this guy owes him just a little, little bit. And of course, you know, Jesus is more than just telling a story about money management or something like that. Jesus is telling a story of grace and forgiveness. Of course, the manager, the, the king, you know, CEO, he is angry. I forgave you. I wiped out the debt. I put everything that you owed me behind me. We started with a clean book, to use an accounting term. And you went after this guy for what little that he owed you. And say, so as we talk about what it means for us to live in God's grace and forgiveness, I think sometimes a lot of us struggle to live in God's grace and forgiveness. First of all, in our own relationship with God. Because we often ourselves have kept an account of things we've done. And we know some of the things we've done, the things we've said, the places we've been. We know the things that we should have done and should have said. And, you know, the words that we've done that have hurt other people. And we, we, we know the list that we have. And we know that sometimes we've come here week after week with the same couple of items on our list. And to truly believe that God has forgiven us. That the kajillion that we owe God, the debt that we can never pay, he has forgiven you. In Jesus, the debt of your sin is paid, wiped clean, gone forever. And yet now we, we kind of jump into how this connects to our lives. Because as it connects to our lives, you know, we, okay, we are forgiven. We know we're forgiven. We're loved by God. But now we are called to live this forgiveness out in relationship to others. Again, we're talking about relational margin. And relational margin is having enough grace and mercy and love in our relationships from those that are kind of, you know, loosely affiliated with us to those that are very close to us. That we can share that same grace, love, and forgiveness. Because you know what often happens? We take an account, right? That's one, it's twice, that one's worth 75, 10. All right, we're counting all the sins, right? All the hurts, all the words, all the actions, all the misdeeds. And sometimes this has been going on for years, and it's repetitive. And we say, you know, I forgave a lot. I don't know if I can keep doing this. And so we keep calculating, you know, the debt, the sins, the hurts against us. And this is not to diminish or belittle, you know, the, the hurt that somebody may have caused us in our lives. Yet we are called to forgive. Paul writes about this a number of different times. I'll just give you one text here from Ephesians 4. Let's read this together. Be kind to each other, sympathetic, forgiving each other as God has forgiven you through Christ. Forgiving each other as God has forgiven you. It is God who forgives us and his forgiveness of us then begins to shape our forgiving others. Because it's easy for us to be like the one who sees ourselves forgiven of all those debts and then to go after someone else for the little debt they owe us. And I mean, a little not to diminish again what somebody may have said or done to you, to us. But we see that it's so easy for us to calculate that in our lives. When we talk about forgiveness, we want forgiveness for us. God wants forgiveness for us to be more than some kind of spiritual catchphrase. It's more than saying, oh, I forgive you. But to truly understand that when I say I forgive you, God forgives you, I forgive you, that we're saying 
you know, we have wiped the slate clean, that there's pardon, that the debt has been canceled, that I'm giving up my right for retribution, which is often the way we work in our culture in small ways, subtle ways, sometimes very openly and blatantly, that I am releasing you from the debt that is owed. You know, this is a story I've shared before, you know, growing up in my household with a father who, whose words were, were oppressive, they were abusive emotionally and, and, and verbally. It was not a fun household in some ways to grow up in. And yet, as I had a friend in middle school that invited me to come to church with him, and I started going to a Lutheran church, and in high school went through confirmation and got baptized, and began to understand, first and foremost, began to understand God's grace for me. God loved me, that, that, that the sins that I knew about in my life, that God forgave each and every one of those sins in Jesus Christ. And then God did something that was not so much fun, but is God's way of doing things that I think he continually does in us. You see, you know, I was with my dad counting out how many times he told me things like, you can go to you know where, and um, you are, well, in different ways he'd say, worthless, and I would count those up. Like, so you know how many times he said those things? How many times... I could count up, you know, what it means to live this way. And yet, as I began to understand more and more that God has forgiven me. As I hear those words that Jesus spoke to Peter, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. An infinite amount of forgiveness and grace, just as I have forgiven you. That I could forgive my father. Now, forgiveness and forgiving someone, a number of things to, to know and understand here. First of all, that doesn't mean that that person will at first acknowledge to you that they should need or want your forgiveness. They may never do that. My father never really did that. I never acknowledged what it was like to grow up with him. And it's also something that wasn't like that. Sometimes I think as we hear in the church, we get this idea that I need to forgive somebody. I've got to forgive them like this. You know, but you know, if, if that sin has been going on for a long time and repetitive, and maybe you've forgiven somebody once and twice and again and again and again and again and again and again and again. It's like when somebody comes into your clean carpet and walks on it that you may say, I invite you to the front door, but if you've got those muddy shoes on, please don't come on my carpet anymore. You know, and we, we tally it up. You know, it's not easy to always just forgive like that. So sometimes that forgiveness is a process of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in our lives, working God's grace and forgiveness in our lives so that we can forgive as we've been forgiven. And say, so God, use that experience for me to help me in other situations to forgive those who have hurt me and wronged me, as well as to help me understand how when I've hurt and wronged somebody that I need to seek that forgiveness, that I need to reconcile that relationship. And so we all have stories of those who have hurt us and wronged us. Some, you know, have been repetitive. Some have hurt us, and, and we've distanced ourselves from them for a long time. Some of them are the people we're going to see here in a matter of a few weeks over the holidays, right? And, and you know what it's going to be like when you get to somebody, you're like, yeah, i got to see them. And I know the sins, things that they've done, and I can calculate and how many times maybe I have forgiven them, and enough is enough, Right? But God says, how many times should we forgive? Again, and 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 again. But let's acknowledge, it's not easy. I mean, sometimes, 
you know, with those who are closest to us and our family and our extended family, it's not always easy to forgive. But I think, you know, if you remember the question we opened up with? That question that we opened up with was, what is the most daring thing that you have ever done? And I think one of the most daring things that we can do as followers of Jesus is to forgive. It's to show somebody grace who maybe doesn't even necessarily deserve grace, who doesn't deserve mercy, who doesn't deserve love. Because in doing so, we express what we have from God. Because we are ones that don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve to come to the Lord's table today and in this bread and wine, the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith a strengthening the faith that enables us to say, I'm going to forgive them. And maybe sometimes it is. Sometimes you can simply say, I forgive you, and you put it behind you. Sometimes you say, and it's okay to say this, God forgives you. I want to forgive you, but I'm not there yet. But I'm praying to God that he helps me get there. That's the process I went through, and, and I had others help me get through that journey with my father didn't happen overnight. It was as those who were more deeply spiritual helped me to understand God's grace and mercy and forgiveness in my life that I could forgive them and I can make the daring move to forgive my father. So here's a question, a challenge for us as we move particularly into the holidays, as we think about what it means for us to live in God's mercy, his grace and forgiveness. Where do you need to add the margin of grace in your relationships? What relationship, what relationships do you need that forgiveness poured into your life and into those relationships to show someone the mercy that God has shown you, the mercy that he gives to you in Jesus Christ? You know, we've been given such an amazing gift in God's infinite mercy and grace in Jesus. But let's be honest. If we're honest, we don't always appreciate it very much. We don't always believe it's for us. It is for you. You need to know that. You know, in a short while when you confess ascension, you hear your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are forgiven. But so too, as we live each and every day, as we have another opportunity every day to live in that grace and mercy, is that he sends us out to live it and to share it. And if it's not something that's going to happen today or tomorrow, then our prayer, your prayer right now, just like my prayer has been at times in my life, is God, help me get there. Help me to live and to share the grace you've shown me yet again today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the grace, the mercy, and love, the forgiveness that you give to us. Lord, if we're honest, there are those in our lives that have caused deep wounds. They have hurt us. Some of these wounds, Lord, have been festering. They've been lingering for a long time. Some of these are people we're going to see, Lord, in a matter of weeks during the holidays. When it's been easier to avoid that hurt, that conflict, that relationship, because we don't see each other that often. Some of these are people that we live with, Lord. Some of these people are people that have long passed. Lord, our prayer is that you would help us to forgive as we have been forgiven. 
not in some just catchphrase, not to minimize things, but to truly forgive. And that starts, Lord, as you help us to understand and believe in faith that we are truly forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us as we journey towards forgiving others as you forgive us in Jesus. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. God's people say, Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.